0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Rick Radio. Okay, um, it is now August and this is our podcast number three. We've done June, we've done July and we are in August. And today we have three uh, members of the team in the studio. Who have we got? Hi, it's Dave here. Boys can't talk because he's eating.
1: I'm eating a plum out of the garden, and I have to say that it's absolutely delicious.
0: Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Mm. I don't eat them stones now. No. So I guess that's what we're talking about this show. This show is about the uh, fruits of our hard work, um, for the last couple of months. This is about all our edible, all our edibles basically, um, we've been growing and stuff, and uh, I think the boys has a couple of special uh, interviews he's done out in the out and about in the summer yeah I was, uh, no uh, damn cares
1: i was out and about the last couple of weeks and uh i managed to get hold of a couple of friends of mine up in uh slaney court up behind uh, the woodies there in glass nevin there's a, a market there so i was doing a bit of recon for for the market that's going to be starting up here hopefully in the next few weeks um and i talked to some lads called the market gnomes and we have a little kind of biodiversity a quarter acre uh, plot of land down in in DCU, um, and they're growing loads of really kind of good stuff, and and they they've turned it actually into a business, and and they sell at the markets, so that was really kind of really interesting, um, and then I was up in Rosemount in the horticulture department in the, in the back of UCD there to check out the beehives. They've they've sixteen different beehives up there, uh, and and they got hold of the beekeeper in the apiary. Uh, and we talked to him. Well, I I kind of listened. Uh, I think the bees done done well, most that's most of the, the talking.
0: I'm going to jump in here. This is just before you fell when you were be- when you were bitten by them. I'll just give people a listen to this uh, yeah. this part of it. And again.
2: So yeah. this is um just before the boys
0: fell when they attacked them. Right open, this open was, this was Tobias. chaos. Well. <laughs> the killer bees seen yeah the killer hornets
1: famous last
0: words they still they still seem placid enough
2: they
0: were, they were <laughs> so that was uh just a, that's a taste of what's to come uh, with, with the interview we have it's amazing um,
3: Glad it was Tobias and not me.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it'd be
1: good to have like a little chat about it because I know like the the, the process of making honey is is really kind of interesting. It's like, you know, how do, how the bees turn it from nectar into actual honey and, and the process that's involved. You know. Oh, well, we we'll get stuck into that mm. in a
0: while. But I tell you what, um, what have we been growing? What has been uh, turning up in our little grounds? Anybody want to go first, Dave?
3: Well, we're not there just harvesting tonight from a plum tree that we have probably what's a year and a half now Yeah, and we've got a a good few plums which are very very tasty expensive but I tell you what (laughs) I
0: think what was it was it 80, 90 quid I don't know how much it was it was expensive we went out on a spray there uh, on a spray um, uh, uh, when Covid first hit around last April yeah and we were out in the minibus using our
3: no no we were out in League Slip
0: yeah Oh he was out with the dog and, the, and and the vets and we went off for a spin then. Yeah, and we found
3: this uh it's out by past league slip there.
0: Was it clay in direction?
3: No. No, out by uh in between Luke and kinda of league slip.
0: I think it was further than that. I yeah, but
3: it's in like it's not directly in but it's in between them. Right. Uh yeah, it was fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, we uh we bought a plum tree, didn't know what we were doing. I think we spent 90 quid on the plum tree. We bought a hazelnut tree as well.
3: Hazelnut plum and then we bought like strawberries and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, we went
0: a bit mad. We went but, a bit mad.
1: Well, you know what, lads, it's amazing because like when I first started going out into the allotments there, what struck me was the apple trees and the gooseberries and and the strawberries that you were, you were uh, grown, Dylan, you know. Yep. Amazing, like, you know. I, b-
3: I believe my gooseberries are lovely.
1: <coughs> Absolutely yeah. delicious as well. Like, um, who brought in the rhubarb?
0: I oh, did. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. Um, not mad about eating real bear, but ourselves wants to make a something pot, pet, pot, pot this Is it something something it's stewed and it's called a pea? so I does done It's like a, a it's it's like a, jam, a marmalade or something or a jam or a, uh, I can't think of the word I'm looking for now. But uh,
3: so that's two of our uh, harvests that we done tonight. Yeah,
0: but the main the main thing that I suppose we do every year day was our tomatoes and chilies. Yep. And, and with basil going on there as well now, so the, the mantos are still not ready. There's one or two starting to drop off, but only one or two. I think it'd be we'll be talking more about them in this September, uh, because over the next two or three weeks, hopefully they'll, uh, they'll arrive.
1: Well, I'll I tell you as well, like what's been flying up is the kale, and I know you made some really nice kale pesto, yeah, uh, which was really really delicious. Because when you were saying about basil, there, ba- basil I would associate with pesto you're yeah. not blitzing it down but the kale the kale was kind of really nice you
0: know it's more and plentiful it, as well yeah it's, it's like it's a, you know for every for every uh plant of basil you've got about six plants of kale if you if you are for every the value of a plant of, of basil mm-hmm. yeah you, you've got six times the amount on on, on kale you know yeah. so i mean i do put a bit of basil in with the kale pesto of course just to sweeten it up
3: yeah. And well, what do you put in the pesto like? What's... In the
0: pesto, uh, garlic. All the garlic we, we we pulled in June, say. Right. Um uh the olive oil, which we haven't grown, which is obviously we're not in bloody Italy. Sardinia. Might go and get an olive tree, will we? Go and get an olive tree, yeah. Yeah. Um so we've got yeah, olive oil I think I said this in the last show as well. Um olive oil, garlic, kale, lemon juice, very important mm. and parmesan. Now I didn't use parmesan, in one of the batches I just used cheddar because I didn't have any parmesan, and I I don't like buying the cheap supermarket stuff. That's just me.
1: You got it's, some. You roast. You had some roast nuts. I think. Oh, in Arizona, didn't nuts yeah. in as well.
0: Pine nuts and and uh, just a sort of nuts, mixed nuts. So yeah, yeah, that's it. And uh, I've had I've had a, a quite a good bit of it there now. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen. You. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I I actually uh I have some stuff for you Dave uh, because I heard you're a big fan of beetroot. Oh,
3: my favorite. Um, I'd so swapped them for the Gooseberries that that you've
2: yeah, taken already. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, uh, Dylan informed me the rule is whoever whoever turns up on the day gets the goods, you know, and, and in fairness, I haven't seen you. I haven't I just seen just
0: for, for everyone say, I don't remember saying that. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I, I pickled them, Dave, but I, I, I have jars the, of them pickled. Oh, i seen Sorry.
0: on uh, Irish Gardeners today in uh, mm. Facebook, someone was wondering how to pickle stuff. Yeah, so, how did you pickle them? I'll t-
1: tell you what I did. I, I grew them and I, I brought them in last week and. Uh, I got a pot uh, and I filled it like about a third of the way with water. I got a bottle of that really cheap balsamic vinegar out of Tesco. So I think it's 55 cents for like a pint oh. bottle of it. Whacked that in, load of brown sugar, uh, put the beetroot in and simmered them with a lid on it till you could, you, know, you could stick a knife in them and they were really tender and then just let them cool down in that liquid. Uh, the next day I peeled them diced them, uh, put them in the jars, and then used that liquor when it was cooled down. Oh, really good. Uh, topped up the jars and sealed them. So yeah, so I've uh, still a couple of left in the ground uh, for Dave. And Just I wipe got your, to mouth now, Dave, oh, your mouth there, Dave, wipe your Oh, dribbling. No, they're, nice. they're nice. I love I beetroot. Yeah, it's
0: really good for you as well. Yep. So when I tell you, this, this I don't know if this is good to say on, on podcasts, but the first time I've eaten beetroot from the ground was last year from here, Dave gave me one. And um, for the next two days, when i was in the toilet and looking at my toilet uh, con- uh, contents as you do as you do, do. well, you do for your health for your stomach health yeah um but i thought my whole internal uh, system was was bleeding because <laughs> the bee room was just it just flooded the toilet it was cleaning oh, you out my god yeah. i tell you what it's colourful. <laughs> well, it's a, it's
1: an anti uh, carcinogenic, so you know it's it's meant to be really good for the blood, uh, as I think along with blueberries as well have the same kind of uh, properties effect. You know, yeah,
0: same effect as well. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Um, yeah, there's uh, onions falling out of the ground as well now at the moment, and uh, all our peas are gone. Uh, we should have done a few late ones. The peas we done late didn't really.
1: I gave uh, I picked a load yesterday and gave them to actually gave them to Wally. Uh, along with the courgettes, we've got
3: different... like about five or six really good courgettes as well. Oh yeah, we have week. we have
0: cucumbers as well. Absolutely, cucumbers well. are flying. We we really we don't cucumbers in the polytunnel this year, and uh, I've had about three now in the last week, and I've had them in water with mint, done the whole hotel jar thing. Uh yeah. So I had that in the fridge, and it's the especially in when it's warm weather. Most refreshing. Yeah. I had
1: I had one as well that you gave me, and I I did a, a kind of Japanese pickled cucumber where you just peel it, and then you split the cucumber down the middle. You get a teaspoon and just run it along, take oh, yeah. all the seeds out. Then slice with a bit of like chopped mint, a little bit of uh, ordinary vinegar, and a little bit of honey.
0: Lovely. Yeah. those Tasty. um the seeds are they are seeds that we could grow them next year with? Do you think? Um, I don't know.
1: know. I don't know. Um, I, I couldn't if now, you're listening, I couldn't if now. you're
0: still listening and you haven't turned off yet, tell us. Uh, send us a message on uh, on on. Um, where did you send us a message? You'd send us an email, a Gmail to rickradio Twenty Twenty at gmail.com um, just to uh, let us know if you keep those seeds that are in the cucumber. I, I presume they are. I do presume they are. And you dry them out and have to go again next year. Just but, on
3: that note as well, because I've always t- asked Dylan and stuff like that, pickling stuff and all yeah. that. Would you be big into pickling, Tobias?
1: yeah yeah i've done a lot i've done a lot of pickling because a lot of the time you when when it's this time of the year dave and everything is just coming up out of the ground at the same time you like you need to kind of preserve it like somehow so i'm big into my chutneys and my pickles like i don't know if you remember last year we did a i did a load of green tomato chutney yeah yeah um which i still i, I promised you a jar of that as well actually you only have reminding me um but yeah i would do but it's it's like you know i i'm, I'm always saying to dylan to keep the jars and if you keep any glass jars, I'll fill them up. Prepare yeah, something yeah. or other, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'd
3: like to actually see how to do it as well because it's mm. something I'm interested in.
1: Definitely, you know, we should we should do we should try and arrange some sort of a workshop around that kind of stuff, yeah. you know.
0: Well, there's um there's actually what I'm going to do um with air force batch of plums. And it's, it, it is a self is going to preserve. It's a preservative going to do a jam, plum plum jam, just simple. Oh, lovely. There was loads of different recipes and stuff like that to do, but it's just a simple plum jam with a bit of sugar. And oh, nice. haven't seen the haven't seen the method yet, but I'll I'll, I'll check it out. Do that tonight. Anyway, we're going. We're just rambling now, and um, I think it's time to go over to your interview, which you've done. You can introduce it in there, boys
1: so yeah so this guy is, is martin he's the head the head market gnome you know and they started off in dcu uh doing a community employment scheme there and eventually they leased a quarter acre of dcu uh university and the university was really happy because they minded the land and it was security for them and they've just they've gone from strength to strength uh, so Martin's gonna tell us a little bit about his operation. He talks a little bit about manure and he talks a little bit about uh, the stuff he's grown down there, you know. So it's quite interesting, you know, and it's a nice atmosphere going on in the, the market in the background and stuff. So yeah, so good
0: stuff just think. Don't say too much, you will round it. We, we won't mm. be able to you'll, you'll, you'll spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go.
1: So how is uh we're here uh in uh glass nevin in Slaney court at the honest to goodness market uh and i'm tobias and and we're we're doing a little kind of recording for rick radio rings and Town community center radio for our gardening podcast and i kind of come up here i'd come up here most saturdays and and see the the market gnomes and get some really really nice veg and some really good produce and it's an all round great market uh and i know that we're opening up one in the back of the community centre now in in next month so I guess you know this is kind of like this is great research but it's also my heart is it's kind of always been at this market and I've been coming up here for a couple of years so Martin the the head garden gnome has, has kindly offered to tell me a little bit about uh, what their operation is like and and what they're doing up here so so Martin how are you doing buddy uh, would hey, you device, like to, good good would you like to tell us like what the gig is you know what the market gnomes are about and what they do like oh thanks very much I appreciate you having me
4: on and appreciate you coming down here you
2: know ah, thanks uh,
4: the more uh, the more eye on this, and the more people uh, paying attention to what we're doing, you know, the better this stuff is, is going to go. So, yeah. 100%. Uh, yeah. What we're doing is uh, we're working down in DCU. There we started down there about six years ago, okay. and um, the place was like Jurassic Park. It was mm. completely overgrown. Mm. Uh, we were on a CE game of community employment. Yeah. Say so over the three years we were on community employment, we came up with our own business plan and model, and we wow. said the DCU. Look, this is what we can do with the land. And, you know, this is what we can do, you know, make things happen here. You know, we had a lot of ideas. The garden had a lot of potential. There was a lot of people that came and went, you know, they couldn't get any structure on it. Was it a big space? Yeah, like the whole garden is 1.6 acres. Wow. Yeah, we're only growing on a quarter acre. Okay, uh, that very intensive wow. type of growing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so DCU said, look, it's it's maintenance for them at the end of the day. You know, they don't have to look after the land. Yeah. We, uh, we gave security to the site. We were good with the local neighbours, so it's a, you know, very urban Mm. kind of setup. Wow, amazing. And he said, go ahead, you know. So that's kind of how we got started. Where is that? Where is that, man? Yeah, so the DCU Glasnevin campus. Okay, brilliant. It's actually on the campus, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm looking forward to actually getting down
1: there for a little... uh, Yeah, you'll have to go down soon. Yeah. Yeah so yeah so what what's what's kind of what's the kind of the operation involved down there like what are you growing or, or what, it, yeah. what what kind of preparation did you have to do to get it to get it produced and so, such beautiful stuff that you have here I mean yeah. I'm looking at the lads here <laughs> the, 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 Martin will tell you a bit about what, what, what he's selling here now in a minute but yeah. tell us a bit more about uh, the, the site down in DCU yeah
4: well the start the style is like a painting you know it, it, yeah. it brings together everything that we've been growing over the last few months yeah. and it, it doesn't show the work that went into the site at all you know so like if anybody's Grown an allotment or it's grown at all. they have heard of bindweed, yeah. have Heard of Scotch grass, yeah. They've heard a buttercup, docks. You know we yeah. had them in abundance. You know, so yeah, we brought yeah, it open, the yeah. garden, and start selling is that,
1: them. Is that that real rooty one, the buttercup? It goes. It's really hard to get out of the soil. It's like like a like a root, and it goes
4: right there. Yeah, down. it's like uh, it's like he- like teeth. You know, it just yeah, Kind of digs yeah. in there. You know, and it yeah. runs along the borders. Kind of yeah. grows like strawberries. You know, the runners. Yeah. Like I mean,
1: it's 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 really cool the way you're describing that because like being with a podcast and that like yeah. you know it's all kind of we're, we're kind of listening to it and you're you're kind of yeah. giving a really good kind of picture there.
4: Yeah, that's that's yeah. I'll keep that mm. in mind. You know, so yeah. If anybody ever has any questions, you know, they're welcome to come down and ask us. We we love to share this information. But. um yeah, so once we got the structure in place, we dug it, we had to dig it out by hand. We went through a quarter acre by hand, took wow. out all the invasive route, and we done that for three years, solid. Wow. Every single spring wow. went through the site, because we knew we'd get no better, you know? Like, getting access to land is just, it's not happening if you're going to do it in any sort <laughs> yeah. of scale. Yeah. So we said we'd we'll dig our heels in here, we had 30 tons of shale to move, we had a wheelbarrow, there was no air in the wheel. <laughs> oh my you know? god. it was a slug. it was a slog. Was yeah. a slog. Yeah. But, look, we, we, we stuck at it because we had a vision, we knew mm. what we wanted to do. And now we're running what's called a biologically intensive market farm out of DCU campus, incredible. and that's been for the last Absolutely two incredible. and a half years. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And I've seen, and I've been kind of up here the last couple of years. I've seen I've seen what you've been producing, and it just it blows me away every time. It's it's Thanks just amazing. It's the best kind of the best organic produce I've seen. Yeah. Um. So like, what what have you got? What what's what are you selling in the stall this morning? Give us a kind of little rundown of the, yeah. what you have got. So
4: when we approach this. From a perspective, we started with pure passion, you know, and we were only in our early 20s.
2: Yeah.
4: And we just like, let's grow everything, you know, and we just want to bring the best for people. And um, because we hear ourselves and we like to cook, so what we want, we want to give to people, you know. So we want But then you start looking at it from a business perspective, like you can't grow everything. You have to grow yeah. things that, you know, as high yields and stuff like that. Yeah. So we took that into consideration. And sure. Then, with the way we grew, we didn't want to use any chemicals, you know. So yeah. we've, we've established like a triple underlying type of motto, you know. So
2: yeah,
4: uh, it has to be financial sense, of course. Okay, you know, and it has to be uh, it has to be good for the community. Yeah. it has to be good for the environment, you know. So right. we have them three ticks that we tick off. So you're like our, your ethos. Yeah, the ethics yeah. of it, you know. Yeah. So there's a lot of farms that just do whatever, you know, whatever suits them. And they grow too much, they waste. So we basically. Sure grow what we know we can sell and stuff like that so and we're also seasonal nothing imported so okay. we so in the summer like today we have tomatoes cucumbers courgettes uh, garlic onions so very diverse. I got you a also. bit of
1: your garlic last week. Absolutely amazing. I, yeah. I got the big garlic last week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have a dry. Yeah. You advised me to dry it out. Yeah. And to use it as seeds for next. Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's actually what I'm doing. It's it's amazing. It's the it's the, I've seen a lot of garlic grown. We grew we grew a lot in yeah. the allotments this year, but it, it's not like the, the the stuff I got off you of last week. It's yeah, amazing. and that's
4: trial and error. Like you're you're seeing a lot of years of experience there. We've grown some terrible crops. You know. You had a great
1: tip for me about garlic last week. You were saying keep. The first time you grow it, keep it and dry it out, and use those for the seeds the following year. Is yeah, that what, wh- what I
4: recommend doing if you are grown some garlic, so you're gonna buy some seed in, obviously and when you grow it, it's gonna be acclimatized. Make sure it's it's healthy and it's not you know soft and diseased and stuff. So once you split it or dry it out, once you split it then to replant it in in October November. Yeah. Plant the biggest cloves. Because yeah. then every year then you will develop your own seed stock. Okay. You know, so okay, you'll get better brilliant. cloves over time and you'll get a uh, better garlic over time. And eat the small ones. Yeah, you know? so you still have some there Yeah,
1: and I see I see where you I got some of your potatoes as well last week. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. I've been getting them out for the last couple yeah, of weeks. Tell us much.
4: how you grow them. So there's a guy in rush and um, he makes his own compost yeah so he collects seaweed off the beaches he is just all year round all he does is make his own compost brilliant so like i said he collects seaweed he collects um grass he connects manure he connects collects all the um vegetables in town off the markets wow and he just composts it so he's making i think he said he was making two tons of compost a week so it's a really it's two tons a week yeah that's all he does and this guy is uh, 75 or 76 Wow.
1: Yeah. I'm going to get some off you gave me his number I'm going to get some off yeah
4: if anybody's interested in compost uh, give me a shout it's the best yeah. stuff so we actually we buy in bulk compost yeah from a place called Enrich but um, they have there's a place called Mulch mm. that, that'll sell it in ton bags yeah but uh, for the allotment, I recommend people going in, getting a ton bag, and getting a ton off this guy as well and mix it together. Okay. You know, because all that seaweed, it's just got all them, you know, micronutrients in there, which yeah. is fantastic for the I, soil. I got
1: the powdered seaweed in Mr. Middleton's uh, from way Galway. It's organic as well. Yeah. And it's amazing when you put it down, like, you know, even yeah. in the space of a day, Yeah. like, the, the plants come alive yeah. after it.
4: The best tip I'll give anybody if they're going to be growing in an allotment is it's the soil first. You know, good. Good plants grow as a consequence
2: of the yeah, soil, you know. Yeah.
4: So if you're looking at the planting, you're, well, why isn't it growing? You're thinking it could be nitrogen, it could be this, it could be that. Do the preparation first, okay. you know. And you can do the preparation. A lot of people say get the preparations done in autumn or winter for next year. What, that what's is- the best month? The best month is autumn, you know. So well, the, the actual month. Sorry. So, yeah, so obviously before it gets too wet. You know, October, November is fine. Oh, okay. Even December before it gets too bad.
1: Because I'm going to do it this year, you know. That's,
4: yeah. Yeah. We usually wait until, say, late February early March right that's because you know it's a, it's a long year we just cover it up and we get back into February and March but we will be doing it in October November this year
1: ok and when you say cover it up what do you mean by that
4: we use uh, like polyethylene so right. it's a plastic Yeah. so what happens is it kills off all the weeds so if you have a new patch that you want to start yeah. just cover that and weigh it down with a few bricks on the edges for how think, long uh, say about four to eight weeks depending okay. on what's on it you know okay. so if you have invasives yeah. like uh, scotch grass and bind with polyethylene is good to draw it to the surface right. and then help it burn it out and you can pull it out a lot easier oh, amazing soil. so to
1: go, going back to the potatoes sorry I know yeah. distracted yeah, I distracted you there, away, yeah Martin uh, so how do you what do you do with the potatoes then you, you prep the soil sorry
4: yeah so what we prep mm. the soil we use what's called bio-intensive techniques so we don't rotavate the soil what we do is we um, we use a broad fork, which is like a standard digging fork. It's just wider, and we open the soil up um, to get the oxygen down right. in, into the uh, into the soil, and we put in say four to six inches of compost on top of that. Amazing. Yeah, so the more compost, the better. Really, you can't overdo it. Yeah, um and then yeah, over time, it's it's a really. And would
1: you do that? Like, how how far in advance of actually planting the potatoes would you so prep if, the soil? Like,
4: yeah, if you get that prepped in October, November, yeah, and then you come back then and plant your potatoes in March, yeah, March, April, okay, then you'd be you'd be good to go. You know, because right. that organic matter is going to help loosen up the soil. And but,
1: would that work for anything that you're going to plant?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Prep the soil the uh, same way. Like, it, it depends as well on your context. You know so if you're going to with bare ground you haven't even started yet you, you're going yeah. to you're going to roll rota-
2: okay, you know yeah.
4: but if you have ground that you've been working for a while you yeah. know you can put the compost down you can you can prep the beds the way we prep them
1: that would be us in the allotments now because we'd, yeah. we'd be we'd be using the beds year in year out so yeah. come like uh, you know after the summer come like right, probably around November December we'd start kind of closing them off till probably March yeah so they'd, they'd be kind of lying dormant for a few months apart from maybe having a bit of garlic or something there yeah
4: absolutely yeah so what I would say is yeah, if you're, if your soil is you've been grown in it and you're getting some half decent stuff mm-hmm. get the fork in open it up yeah. you know don't invert it double you don't need a double dig don't do any of that get the fork down deep lift it up and then uh, what you want to do is pull a load of compost on top. And then cover it with a bit right. of plastic or with cardboard, weigh it down with some bricks and then yeah. come back to it in spring. Okay. So what happens is the earthworms and the biology will come up for the food, You know, it's carbon, it's holding on to all that nutrient that's yeah. looking for all of that. And it'll start to over time bring it down into the soil. Yeah. And you notice your soil will be more healthier over time.
2: Brilliant. It'll hold
4: on to more nutrients, it'll hold on to more moisture. You won't have to water as much. Yeah, because I noticed that, I
1: noticed that scene as you mentioned. I noticed some of the corners in my allotment yeah. are, are really dry. It Doesn't matter how much I, I water them; they come back a day, two days later and it looks really dry. It's as if all the water's falling out of the
4: corner. Yeah, that's like especially in this weather now. Hmm. Like the best thing you could do is mulch. So if okay. you have some leaves or cut grass, yeah, put it around the end of your plants. You know, right. so water in. Like, you ever see if you have a bit of a sheet of cardboard down, yeah, or whatever. And you lift it up. It could be the hottest of the days. So there's still moisture underneath? Yeah, and there, all the you worms
1: know? and everything are underneath. Yeah. It. yeah, and that's what
4: they're looking for a dark to be able to do yeah. their business you know and the closer you can get them to the surface yeah and the deeper you can get them down yeah. you know it's gonna make a big difference brilliant. brilliant yeah mulch and if the organic matter in the soil is gonna hold onto that moisture as well brilliant. that's what it's all about cool
1: so listen that's, thanks for that Martin um, is there anything like is there anything else you'd say about grown tomatoes for instance is there any tips you'd have for grown tomatoes like oh. I've, I've a lot of them in the ground at the moment yeah, and they're yeah, flar—they're yeah. just at the flowering some yeah. of them have a few little berries on them but uh, yeah. a few little fruits but uh, I'm kind of wondering should I be continually feeding them now while they're in flower or what's the best strategy
4: would you say yeah absolutely like uh, tomatoes are heavy feeders so the first thing I'd say is if you're going to grow tomatoes find out if you have an indeterminate variety or a determinant variety, which is basically a bush variety or a, or like a cordon variety, that's what they're called. So if it's a bush variety, just let it do its thing. You don't need to train it or anything like that. And a variety would be coralic or something like that, you know. But uh, most people would be growing the the indeterminates, so you want to prune off all them side shoots so you've got the main shoot that grows up and then yeah. the branch it grows at a 45 degree yeah. so you want to take them off okay you want to prune off some of the lower lower branches yeah. you know improve the airflow that's going to be very important for blighting that okay and then um, have a look at the fruit you know that the plant will tell you there if it's suffering so if you're seeing like yellowing on the leaves if you're seeing blotches on the leaves it'll say okay i need a bit of magnesium i need a bit of nitrogen i need a bit of phosphorus whatever it is look it up online google's gonna be your best friend there you know because tomatoes are it can be a tricky one yeah and they're gonna have they're gonna take a lot of water yeah in this weather depending on your soil probably every second day you want to water them you know
1: yeah
4: um yeah just make sure you keep them pruned you know less is more especially when it comes to beef tomatoes or kind of regular varieties tomatoes brilliant because you're not going to get all that fruit
1: okay excellent Uh, the
4: cherry tomatoes you don't really need to prune off any of the fruit um just keep picking them you know because they'll start to split now (laughs) But uh, that's what I'd say. Yeah. Deadly, deadly. There's there's loads of tips and techniques because we're on a quarter acre, we use intensive techniques. So we're pruning things. We have tomatoes close together, cucumbers close together. Like I said, if anybody wants to come to the market, they're more than welcome. Yeah. Come down and ask us questions. You know, we love yeah. all this stuff.
1: Yeah. And and you're here.
4: Like you're here every Saturday, from um, half
1: nine till about
4: three or four. Yeah. So we're here from yeah. The market opens at half nine. We We'll be here from half eight or so. We get the early risers. Okay. And we we'll will be here till about two or three. Would we'll be yeah three o'clock at the latest.
1: Well, hopefully you'll come down to the to the centre, the community centre, sometime in the future as well and have a look at what we're doing as yeah, well down absolutely. there, you I'll, know?
4: Be, I'll be delighted to come down and have a look. Brilliant. And if anybody's interested in getting produce offers as well, our website is marketnomes.com um, and we have a Facebook page. Our handle is at Market Gnomes. And you're on
1: Instagram as well, aren't you? We're on
4: Instagram as well, yeah. You, you put in marketnomes or facebook.com forward slash marketnomes, we'll come up and People can send us messages on that if they have any questions.
1: Brilliant. Listen, uh, I, I I know that we're kind of after running over. We're in 14 minutes, and I know you've got a, a load of customers there. Looking yeah, the line is Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen, thanks very much, Martin. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us yeah, today. Yeah,
4: no problem. Thanks very much, Sophie. Take it easy. Cheers.
0: The Old Hammond Lane Market, Ringsend Irish Town Community Centre. Every Sunday, food vendors, cuisines from across Europe and the world, local produce, arts and crafts, Live music. Bring the family. Paint the face. Contact us here at the centre, or contact us on Instagram or Gmail at the Old Hammond Lane Market. That's H A M M O N D. That was brilliant. Um I didn't listen to all of it, but I will. I will. Hmm. When the, I, I tend to not listen to everything till I'm going on long drives, and um, yeah. I listen to them in the car. Yeah. But yeah, um, totally organic. <laughs> um, go on, tell us. Totally uh, organic produce Uh, and what's
1: kind of impressive about it is how they grew it over the last uh, three or four years. You know, they started off with just this kind of field of dirt, you know, and they've they've gone completely organic and completely biodiverse and they compost, they make all their own compost. They grow all the potatoes, they grow in a seaweed compost. Um, and it's just it's just a different kind of food when you go down to the market the stuff they're selling it really sticks out it looks really different you know yeah, and yeah. they've diversified into uh, microgreens now so they have a big indoor operation of microgreens that are just kind of grown in kind of water baths their, their roots come down through the table into uh, into the water and stuff you know which are, they're really
0: healthy they grow really quickly sorry twice you're getting a uh... A bit of interference there sorry go ahead Keep yeah going. no sweat um <coughs> yeah and they're they're on Instagram as you said uh market gnomes market gnomes yeah um like they we didn't
1: quite hear there in the the interview but they've they've invited me to come down to their farm and and do a do a part two down there at some stage you know they'll bring us yeah. down maybe you could come down as well and yeah. have a look at what they're yeah. doing, you know we we all go down yeah yeah, yeah. and
3: just how did they start off? Was that they just?
1: Interestingly enough, Dave, they were on some sort of a CE scheme, uh, probably you know along the lines of what you were doing. Uh, I don't know how they actually got. They were working on that that Pacific piece of land, uh, which I think was initially leased by DCU, uh, and then they they actually took over the lease. Lovely. Um, so yeah, so it's it's a full fully functioning profit making uh, business Qu- quarter now. Water yeah. raker. Yeah. yeah. And do,
3: did they did they. Uh now what you were doing at first? Were they hogacultures or were they just?
1: Yeah, like they they had that they had done courses in it, you know. So it was kind of trial and error. Now, like I mean, there's three acres down there of, of wasteland. So they, they literally just kind of uh, terraformed a quarter acre because that's for two guys. Or that's that's an awful lot of land yeah, to be tilling. But they made this. If you look at them on Instagram, they made this really interesting thing, right? It's a it's like a, it's a frame that's welded together, and uh, it's got all these two wheels on it, and it's got like five blow torches all connected to it. So they wheel it, they light all the blow torches, and they wheel it along the soil, and it burns everything, burns the soil completely, um, kills all the roots and stuff, you know. And then they get this, they gave me this guy's number, uh, who who makes his own, who makes his own compost, sells it by the ton bag, really really good. cheap and he, he delivers it and then what they were saying in the interview is you just break break the ground with the fork and you lay this on top so you don't actually dig it in so you grow everything within that compost right. and, and then the roots will go down and then over time that breaks down and goes into the soil and fertilizes a the soil old, underneath. A yeah so this is over the 3 years it's built up like it's at fully it's fully producing and it's really it's really productive now the actual ground because the whole idea of biodiversity is about feeding the ground back from, because it's, it's putting out so much nutrients into the yeah, food and yeah, all yeah. that, so so you're kind of, you, you're you're looking after the, the land and it's looking back, it's lo- looking after you in return kind of thing. Very That's good. Brilliant. Yeah. That's
0: brilliant. Um, mm. yeah, yeah, it'd be yeah, very well, good to
3: go and see them actually, yeah. Yeah,
0: right. we must know, we, we definitely we must, and um, well, no, thanks very much lads, Garden arms for a, uh, yeah, that for, was absolutely brilliant, thank you. you. giving us your time. Um, so we we'll move on because I'm conscious that we're up to 32 minutes now and, uh we have the Attack of the Bees interview to <laughs> yeah. So look at what we're going to do is we're going to throw in the interview now. We had to cut the interview a little bit short as because the boys was getting closer to the honey. The bees were getting, uh, the proximity of the bees, they were getting a bit more uh, vocal as you Active. heard at the top of the show.
1: They were getting very, very aggressive. One actually got in inside my suit and I was, you probably can't hear it, but I was actually starting to get a bit panicked. One had, one had stung me on the hand. And Brian informs me after, like he says, oh, actually Tobias, I shouldn't have let you go first, you know, um, oh, because they they know, <laughs> they know me, but I kind of jumped, I kind of just went ahead, and he was like, really now, I shouldn't have let you go first. They didn't kind of recognise you, you know, um. So yeah, so I got a bit heavy, Dylan. I had to get out of there, you know.
0: Well, I tell you what, some some job you, you're doing. Um, gonna put it, put the interview in, and then and then whatever we don't hear at the end, we have a couple of pointers made from the interview because I did listen to all of this and uh, we'll, ask you, we'll get you to finish off the interview as, as such. Brilliant, so uh, here we go. The Old Hammond Lane Market, Ringsend Irish Town Community Centre, every Sunday. Food vendors, cuisines from across Europe and the world, local produce, arts and crafts, live music, bring the family, paint the face. Contact us here at the centre or contact us on Instagram or Gmail at the Old Hammond Lane Market, that's H-A-M-M-O-M-D.
1: Well, I'm up here in UCD, in Rosemount, uh, with Brian, with Brian Tobin, and he's the dude that looks after the bees, and he, uh, we're in uh, the Apri, is that how you pronounce that, Brian? That's right. Um, And Brian has very kindly agreed to show me around the beehives, and talk to us today a little bit about bees in general and 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 what's involved in minding them and of course the good stuff is is going to give us a little bit of insight around honey Um, and we've kind of been talking a little bit about that uh, and about how it's used as a tincture for burns and how it's how it's you know it's got a, a variety of uses Brian is also Really interested, which I'm also interested in as well, is forests and trees, um, which I find, which I was reading about earlier, and he was pointing out that they're the tallest living thing on the planet. Is that right, Brian?
5: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So at one end, trees, and the other,
1: honeybees. <laughs> yeah. So listen thanks very much like you know like we're this kind of podcast we're avid gardeners and we have a few allotments down in ringsend and we're really really big into biodiversity and learning about that and this is where like I started growing a lot of chrysanthemums and uh, lavender along with the vegetables and I saw that it was attracting bees and then we kind of got talking this month because of the time of the year it is about there's so much stuff ready in the garden like I was pickling loads of beetroot yesterday Um, and then we got on to the idea of honey and and the bees and uh, it was really kind of hoping to get a bit of an insight about what's going on up here in Rosemount and the whole kind of concept of beekeeping. And anything you could tell us about Okay,
5: well, thanks for coming along, Tobias. Um, we, uh, so at, at the moment, well, I mean, we're standing here in the apiary in Rosemount. Yeah. Uh, it's a fairly overcast day, quite warm still, but there's been showers all morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can see in front of you now the... The bees are flying quite strong, I would say not as strong as, as they would on, on a sunny day. We're at the end of July now. You mentioned the, uh, the lavender that you have in, in the, the allotment. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's quite strong at the moment. But in general, the number of, of flowers that are yielding uh, a lot of nectar are beginning to, to ease off. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of bees will find will a lot of beehive colonies will start reducing numbers from August onwards. So they'll they'll peak number wise around uh, May and June to coincide with the flow of of uh, of nectar. Okay. Pollen. Uh, but from from next month on, that they'll be dropping in numbers towards the winter.
1: And tell us, Brian. Like we have, like I'm just counting like this: two, four, six, eight, 10, 12... 14, 15, 15, is it, or six, 16 beehives, I think.
5: Well, there's 16, plus there's another three beside us, ah, and okay. uh, I don't know if you really count this, this 16 and a quarter or 16 and a half, but uh, <laughs> we it's, have... There's a lot. Yeah, it, it's quite a busy apiary. I think we've, we've had up to 25 colonies uh, wow. sitting in here, which is probably a little bit too much in one place because they, they're they all competing with uh, <laughs> for the same... Floral Forage Yeah. However we're quite lucky in Dublin 4 and particularly in UCD Because mm-hmm. they, we've got extensive Grounds uh, with, with, with lots of, of forage for them So I guess we, we can push it a little bit here Do they go far? Will they wander far from the, the hives? So they'll I mean they they do they, They'll fly for I think they've been recorded to fly Four and a half kilometres or something like that But uh, I, I, they won't do that for for preference, so they the, the majority of the foraging is is within I'd say two kilometres, and and if possible even less. Cool. So they're, they're very they're very pragmatic. Um, yeah. Insects or animals, they uh, they'll take. They're very choosy about what they'll forage. They forage for the material that gives them the best value. Right, and, and so. If They won't just take the nearest flower or or the nicest looking flower they look for the the type of pollen that's coming from it and they'll very often choose the flower that's that's exactly ripe but also yielding the uh, the the pollen with the largest uh, the the greatest um, uh, protein content and likewise nectar as as well
1: and I noticed when we're coming in, like the I think there's seventy different types of apple trees down there. Would they be like the flowerings on on the apple trees?
5: They do, they do. Although it's interesting, they find apple blossom. Hard work. Well, I'm yeah. not sure if it, if they see it as hard work or if they see if they're quick to choose something else that yields better from it. Okay. So one thing that um, it's interesting. One thing that uh, that commercial apple producers find is if they if they allow dandelions to grow in between apple trees and orchards the bees will almost entirely ignore the apple blossom and and go for the dandelions if there are enough of them
1: well i can denti- i can identify with that i love digging the roots up and making coffee out of the dandelion root coffee so there you are I mean, yeah
5: maybe you do that in between i don't know would you choose that between uh, or <laughs> in between
1: um, a set of apple trees well, they're notoriously difficult to get at the roots, to get the roots of dandelion plants out, as I'm sure you know. But listen, what, what's the gig now around them producing honey like and, and nectar? And how, how is that working? like? Because uh, we're standing here, we're looking at the beehives, whereas you've got the kind of the scoop on what's actually going on in there, well, inside them.
5: I mean, we, we keep... Actually, we tend to think we keep bees mostly for for honey, a lot of of beekeeping is purely for the pollination, Uh, interestingly, so most of the beekeeping in in North America particularly is, is, uh, at least the commercial beekeeping is done for the pollination and there's a service for, uh, there's a paid service there. Really? And beekeepers get paid for the pollination and they're actually barely interested in producing honey. Wow, that's Um, interesting, yeah. Here, I, 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 the, the crop systems we have don't require that amount of, of pollination, so it's not quite the same here. From the bees' point of view, they what, what sets honeybees apart from other, mm. from other bees and from other insects is that they don't hibernate, so the colony will last uh, the whole year and right the way through the winter and, and into the next year. Hear the buzzard there. Yeah, I thought it was a bugs. hawk, but I no, thought no, it's it. a buzzard. Um, so, from the bees' point of view, they're they're um, they're foraging for pollen to feed their, their young. If okay. they've got no grubs in the, if there's no larvae in, the, in the hive, they won't. They're not interested in pollen. Okay. So they only they only they use pollen as a protein source. Right. And so for building building bees, essentially. Yeah. Nectar they require. All the time, so that's the carbohydrate that that fuels energy, and that's the, so they need that the entire time. And if and if you're a if you're part of a colony that lives all the way through the winter when there are no flowers, mm-hmm. or potentially there are flowers, but the weather doesn't allow you to forage, you need to preserve your carbohydrate source. Yeah, and that's what honey is. So they they collect nectar when it's plentiful, right. and they they reduce its moisture content because high moisture leads to to spoilage yeah and uh, and they add enzymes to break down the, the sugars wow. and essentially that's what what honey is it's preserved nectar okay and and they the bees produce it for their own purposes to get them through the winter primarily but also mm-hmm. because they, they're, good at, they're, good at, uh, they're good at hedging their bets
1: yeah, it's like an insurance policy. It's essentially, it's
5: an insurance policy against bad weather in the yeah. following year. Yeah. So, while, they, while the sun shines, they make hay and they produce as much honey as they can while there's a good flow. So, they, from the bee's point of view, they, they aim to uh, produce a load of honey and then store it. Right. Uh, so, they, they will seal it into cells with those. Again, the sealing is to cut out the air that, mm-hmm. again, would cause spoilage. It's like the wax. That's a wax camp. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, the purpose is then just to keep keep the air out But also to stop the, the honey that's inside the cell From absorbing moisture again from the air
1: Yeah, because it'll spoil and, and it will eventually spoil And how, two things I want to ask you before I forget First of all is, like, bees wax candles are so cool as well Like, they're very common And I just sussed it there because you were saying Like, to, to prevent the, the honey from getting air to it But also, the other thing is what? How do they react when you go in to take the honey? Like, do they get the hump because you're you're kind of taking their food from them? Or are they kind of... No, are they okay about it? Or no, do you put them to well, sleep first?
5: No no, 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 I don't put them to sleep. Um, no, they're not terribly happy with it, Okay. About it, okay. to be perfectly honest yeah. and straight. Um, they're not. I mean, I wouldn't be either. Yeah. Uh, they, they produce it for themselves. But I guess that's the deal with the beekeeper. Yeah. The beekeeper is in it for something and and his deal or I mean the beekeeper's deal at least is if you remove honey you you have to look after the bees when they need it so yeah, yeah i guess that's how it works the <coughs> beekeeper provides a yeah honeybees are they're not domesticated they're wild yeah i mean they're quite some of them are, are um, can be they can be bred and they can, there can be selection ah, there, right. but essentially they're they're quite Genetically speaking, they're quite wild.
1: So these guys um, don't seem very annoyed with us so far, anyway. Like no, no, we're standing quite at, We're standing
5: at the edge of the apiary. So yeah. well, my hand is on the first hive here. Mm-hmm. Um, as I was saying, the, de- the deal from the beekeeper's point of view between him, them, and, and the colony is is that the, the beekeeper provides a, mm-hmm. a nest. It's a suitable size, big enough size to accommodate the colony inside. Yeah. Uh, provides, yeah, suitable conditions inside, uh-huh. uh, which the bees can take advantage of uh, to some extent. And, and if if we take honey, then
2: we have to provide them with food yeah. if they need it. Yeah, that okay. the ideal. Yeah. So we, we, our
1: presence has been picked I up. Just saw, I was just about to comment on that. Since we stepped one more step in, mm-hmm. they're all over us, That's yeah. It.
5: Bees know what you're saying and sometimes, I think, too, and
1: why <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> won't you say something like that? Uh, that's really cool, like, the way that's that actually, after happening. We're, uh... So...
5: Yeah. Um... Yeah, that's the way it works. If, if, okay. uh, if we yeah, try to provide and, and look after them as best we can, keep them healthy... Sure. ...so that, um... Yeah. And, and the best way to keep them healthy, essentially, is to... Is to Keep them as as naturally as, as possible, yeah. Insofar as they're <laughs> providing a wooden or sometimes the polystyrene box for them to live in. Yeah. But you don't you, when you're harvesting the honey, you'll always Sorry. leave
1: enough there for them as well.
5: Yeah. So yeah. Uh, if you if you look at the at the the design of the hive, so yeah. The, the, there's a lower box which is larger, and that's known as a brood box. So it's a brood box because that's where the the queen is confined and all the the younger brood is kept okay and you'll find on a on a on a, on a, uh, a frame of comb. It's yeah there is a, an area to the center and, and lower of of brood where the queen lays eggs yeah the, the younger bees feed those eggs um, eventually they pupate yeah um, but they're fed from
2: bees that
5: are from eggs they that in a particular
2: frame mm-hmm. uh, from a
5: band of pollen that's that's uh, placed or stored on that, on that frame yeah or at least on that comb at piece and then above that again there's a, a, a band a wider band of honey yeah so the, the nurse bees that feed those those eggs first and, or sorry not the eggs but the grubs that hatch from the eggs yeah. uh, they they, they, they make food, mm-hmm. from from the uh, same, from the same frame. Wow. So there is, yeah. We, we make sure that there's enough uh, honey stored within the brood, brood chamber as possible. Yeah. The the, the shallower chambers above that are no as supers because they're above the brood uh, yeah. chamber. And generally speaking, those are really used are used uh, for collecting honey. Okay. So the shallower frames, you. Beekeepers take take away a, a whole super at a time. Uh, roughly, let's say when it's full, there are ten kilograms.
1: Yeah, maybe a little bit
5: more. Um, in each of
1: those supers, well, that's so cool. So they're they're kind of they're they're livening up a little bit. Um, and pop, pop. They're livening up, but there's yeah. there's no
2: one
5: being attacked, so yeah. they're they're flying around us, they're sitting on your veil here, yeah. touching the mic, yeah. and the, the buzz will be picked up, will. but they're not attacking, so if they were attacking and you, look you at your pocket there, there's oh, two yeah. resting yeah. with you, so if they were attacking you, they'd be... Instinctively going for your for your head, yeah. for your eyes. Yeah. That's where mammals are most sensitive. Yeah, They'd be banging. Yeah, and that, that, that buzz would be more high pitched. Okay, and instinctively you would pick mm. up that they were attacking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, interestingly.
1: Yeah, and tell us a little bit about what happens when they stop producing honey, like because it's quite sea- it's quite a seasonal thing.
5: So, there are periods in the year when there's, there's very little forage out there. Yeah. So, very often there's a dry period, if you like, in, in, uh, in June, early June. Um, so, the early producers like Hawthorne, Thackthorne are finished, and before lime comes on or horse chestnut, uh, yeah. there's, a, there's a period there where it could be sometimes, depending on the year, it could be two or three weeks when there's not nothing, but yeah. a lot less. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, into August, Number of nectar-producing flowers is is dropping uh, off here, so we respond to that and, and reduce the numbers. Okay. Actually, a number of well, a good number of the hives here will all be heading for their summer holidays to the Leather mountains to right. take advantage of the heather, which will just be coming in season actually well, in the next next week or so. Okay. Um, so they'll spend
1: two maybe three weeks up, up with the heather very good very nice and and like i'm, I'm kind of i'm conscious that like i've taken up quite a bit of your time the one thing i want to ask you as well is would you tell us a little bit about the, the winter and the, the the idea of propolis oh yeah so
5: the um well in the winter time
2: the, the no- so
5: during the summer when, right. when the colony is active um and it's at its, and its uh, busiest, so yeah. maybe there'll
2: be 30,000 plus bees, let's say. Just to break that down,
5: actually, one there's one queen in every colony, there's maybe 200, 200, plus
0: bees, let's say.
2: Just to
5: break that down, actually, one there's one queen in every colony, there's maybe 200, 200.
0: Okay, so that's where the point where we had to cut the interview on the audio because. Uh, literally swarms of bees swar- uh surrounded uh the the Attacked. hand the hand recorder that we had they didn't yeah. attack they were they were they were just a curious The boys ready
1: we were fight, fight i was fighting them off at that stage you know um and brian was kind of taking it in a stride and i was kind of like trying to politely back away you might have heard i said let's let's wind it up here brian you know (laughs) and he was like right okay he could see he could see i was getting a bit nervous you know um but you know like he where we left off is we were talking about like the queen bee and i I was quite interested in this you know so after the interview i kind of i went and and i read up a little bit about them you know and they were saying it was kind of you know what what he was kind of the gist of what he was saying was that like honeybees you know the queen will will kind of mate at an early at an early age and usually you know like they will lay, lay, they will actually lay millions of other eggs throughout their life and and you know up to two thousand a day in an active season. Uh, and the you know how the the queen bee lays her eggs and is greatly controlled by you know things factors like the weather, what kind of food is available, and particular you know habits of the drone bees and the and the other bees. Um. So the queen's unfertilized eggs will develop into male honey bees or or the worker drones, and the queen's fertilized eggs will become female workers or future honeybee queens um but they if, they, if there's going to be a fun uh, future honeybee queen it has to leave the nest and get out because the other queen will like try and literally try and just there how
3: long how long does a, a queen bee last for? like
1: how long um they will they will they will oh, jeez, i don't know I think it was exactly. about five years like that. yeah yeah they a good few years but they you know a fully developed reef reproductive uh, bee Will be will be the mother of nearly all the bees in the actual hive, oh. and they develop. You know, this there's there's one there's normally kind of one mated queen in a hive, and those bees will will the other drones and the worker bees will, will do anything to protect that queen. Uh, but like the only the only I guess the only difference between a honeybee worker. Uh, and the Queen is the nourishment the Queen receives during the ma- the maturation process. So the workers feed pr- the prospective queens with this stuff called royal jelly their entire lives. And this is a type of honey it's really expensive and it's really hard to get. And the work while well, the worker bees feed royal jelly uh, during the first two days of their larva stage, the Queen gets fed it all the time, like you know. Uh, and then the queen controls the workers by releasing certain pheromones known as the queen scent. And then uh, after the new after the queen masters the hive, she attends a mating flight. Where all the drones th- there's a drone congregation site where thousands of males wait, and the drones discern the queen's like a presence. Club. Yeah, yeah, it's like a, like a, a real Sacks. gig, like, no, party's hotel. Like, like thinking A, a, there. a Beyonce <laughs> gig, you know. But yeah, they they can they'll know the queen by her smell, but they'll also oh, they'll also they recognize her by sight as well, you know. So I'll yeah, so it's an interesting another, process, you know. Another,
0: another one or two things which we heard and that which we couldn't, mm. wait, wait, it wasn't audible enough, was the, uh, the 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 the, 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 mou- the mouse, the mouse. Oh, the
1: mouse! Yeah, geez, that was a good one, you so know. So a mouse
0: got into the hive.
1: Yeah, like uh, two things on that. Right, the other thing when I got up there, uh, the the guy that looks after the, all the apple trees up there was saying that a badger had actually attached attacked the hive uh two days previous and the, the badger got in and destroyed like pulled the whole hive apart one of the one of the hives apart you oh know? really yeah yeah um and the bee like you know the bee the the mouse the mouse got into one of the hives and died in the hive uh they stung it to death and because of like i guess like a, a mouse a mouse to the bees would be like an elephant yeah. You know, uh they couldn't move it, and and they couldn't kind of like touch it on out there. So they, what they done was they, they spun a load of this uh, wax, this black black propolis. Um, it's like it's like a type of resin, and they spun it around and sealed the carcass of the mouse in it. Uh, and the beekeeper found it days later it was kind of like an ornament, you know a complete cocoon, oh, yeah. a cocoon of this resin uh, wrapped up airtight, you know because the bees uh, bees are really, really clean they're they're spotless because they live in that hive for uh, for five or six years yeah, they yeah. keep it completely spotless whereas, you know, if it was bumblebees or wasps there'd be bits of dead insects and bits of tree and bark and all this whereas the bees, uh, the bees hives is, is, is like spotless but they make this, in the winter time when they stop producing honey, like you know, uh, because the whole the whole gig with the honey is that they go round to the flowers and they use that kind of long tongue like a straw and they suck all the nectar, uh, the sugary juice out of the plant and they turn it into honey. Well, obviously in the winter that can't happen because there's no flowers and yeah, stuff like yeah, that around. Yeah. So they make this propolis stuff. And they go and they get it off uh, resin off the trees. I don't know, like if you're you walking through the forest, you'll see like uh, pine trees. You'll see where they've come yeah. along and drill, yeah. drilled holes into the pine tree and the pine resin will come out. Well, like, you know, the, that, that resin will happen in with most trees, you know, and the bees go around and they specifically collect that. They use it to seal, uh, to seal the hive um to, to make it kind of airtight to and they'll they'll just have a, a little small opening that they can buzz in and buzz out of during the winter and it's also you know, keep to keep them warm yeah it's to keep them warm and to keep them safe but uh, it's also you'll see it sold as a tincture in a homeopath as a homeopathic remedy in like places like nourish and stuff like that you know health food shops okay. uh, and it's it's a it boosts the immune system uh, and it's a really kind of concentrated like um uh Microphobia, I think, it is was the expression that Brian used. I can't, can't actually remember, but it's good stuff, you know.
0: Okay, that's brilliant. I tell you what, um, very educational show this week. And well, uh, I always wanted bees here, but you did. It's it's just hard. I think we're not with, allowed. There's a crash not far away, which might kind of hamper things. No, yeah. not that I don't. I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but no, you're not I'm just saying no. Put it in the crash. <laughs> Well, look at lads, we're up to 54 minutes, so this is our third podcast and it's our longest by, by far, um, which is good. But I suppose the, the show's over the winter, we won't have too much to talk about. Um, we never know, we can waffle.
1: Well, that be said, yeah, like, I mean, there's loads of kind of good stuff going on in the winter there as well, as yeah. we even found out with the bees producing the properties. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm we'll d- be preparing the land, won't we, for the next summer, yeah. so
0: that'll be an interesting process in itself yeah well look at we'll we'll, we'll leave it there I think lads and uh come september we'll have we'll decide what we're going to talk about in september i suppose keeping our seeds yep. for our next mm-hmm. uh, that kind of stuff uh, might might be coming into into uh season pickling season as well pickling mm-hmm. season here yeah. here and we can actually talk about the glut of tomatoes we're going to get and The bolognese that I'm going to be making. Tomato soup, bolognese. Chutneys.
3: Chutneys. Chutneys.
0: Yeah. Everything. So that's it. All right then. Okay. Thanks everybody. Thank you.
2: Take care. Take care. Bye -bye. Bye bye.